Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober, covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Rice is a staple in many people's diets, as well as many cultures. With rice, it's important to choose one which is properly sourced. My guests today are the daughter and father team of Brita and Bryce Lundberg of Lundberg Family Farms. Bryce and Brita, welcome to the program. Thank you, Aaron. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Aaron. I want to thank you for being able to come on the program because I know that while you are business owners, it's the Lundberg Family Farms, I know first and foremost you're farmers, so I thank you for taking the time to come on here with, I'm sure, the busy farming work that goes on. Absolutely. What was it like growing up in the Lundberg family? Did you see yourselves back then going into the family business? Well, Aaron, the town I grew up in is where our farm is, is the Richvale, California. It's a town of about 200. And growing up in the Lundberg family, it was really all about being together. My dad had three brothers and they farmed together. And it was always, I think, all for one and one for all. And my mother and father encouraged my siblings and me to study and to choose something that we would be interested in for a profession or for our work. And if we wanted to farm, they encouraged us to come back to the farm bring another us, and then they teach us to farm. And I didn't always see myself farming. I thought I would want to be a high school teacher, but after a period in pursuing that, I thought, why would I not take the shot to continue a family business and be a farmer? And so 40 years ago, I moved back to the farm and started farming and raised a family here in this area. And Brita, did you always think about being on the farm? No, I never thought I would work at the farm. I loved spending time on the farm. I grew up about 20 miles north of the fields, so my experience is a little different than my dad's. But I remember spending a lot of time on the farm with my dad out in the fields, and I always loved it, but I was always a reader, a writer, a dreamer, and I didn't quite know how my interests and skill sets would fit with the farm. So I actually left the farm for several years and worked in book publishing in New York, helping authors tell their stories. But I I think after about six years of doing that, which I loved, I wanted to help our family tell our story. So I moved back about three years ago and have been doing that ever since. Aaron Lundberg Family Farms still has four extended families that own it and farm it. And so there's about 40 family members that own Lundberg Family Farms and we still work together. I'm not sure that's a recipe for success, 40 (laughs) family members owning a business together. But it's third and fourth generation, and it has its challenges, but it certainly has its joy. I think that's amazing. Lots of things amazing about Lundberg Family Farms. Tell the listeners a little bit about what each of you do for Lundberg Family Farms. Well, Aaron, I'd like to think of myself first and foremost as a farmer. Every morning before I come into the headquarters, I irrigate and look at one of our farms. It's about 400 acres. This year I've got nine fields of organic rice. Five of them are organic jasmine, and three of them are organic sushi, and one is organic basmati. And those are some of the best parts of my day is the morning rounds out in the fields, and then on the way home, I irrigate as well or tend to the land. But at the farm or headquarters, the department that I lead works with farmers and make sure that Lundberg Family Farms is growing all 17 varieties in the right mix 
the right number of acres, making sure every farm is able to get the acreage they need and want in the varieties. It's kind of a secret. It's not really a secret, Aaron, but <laughs> organic short grain brown rice is our number one item. And it's a robust variety. And I think we have a lot of growers who would like to only grow organic short grain brown rice for us. But needing 17 varieties, and some of our most popular varieties are basmatis and jasmines, and they're a little harder. But okay, in my department, we have to make sure we have all the varieties for all the product for our, our company. And then we need to be able to store them. They grow in the fields, but for the winter, they live in our granary, in our rice bins. We have to have a place for every variety to be stored. And then we mill it as we have orders. And so in my department, we hold the rice until it needs to be milled. But for next year, we also have to have seed for every variety, right? Without the seed, there is no next year's crop and so we also grow the rice seed for the next year's crop and seed is a very important process it's not just taking rice out of a bin and planting it it's having a team that starts with head rows and then has breeder seed and then foundation seed and then registered seed and it's a five years lineage starting with very small amounts of head rows where you have purity and then move that through also in my department we have the nursery and the nursery they're the ones that take care of the hedgerows and the breeder seed and producing the foundation seed. It's just critical that you have that purity. And that comes from the nursery. But also in the nursery, they do organic research that supports the organic farms, looking at fertility, seeding rates, how long you have to keep deep water and dry up. And so they do organic research. And then they also are working on breeding new varieties of rice. And for us, that is taking the best of our varieties and working at making them more resilient, more appropriate for organic, helping them become more seedling vigor, helping the rice get through the deep water. And so they're utilizing the varieties that have those characteristics and then also have the consumer characteristics and they do just traditional breeding. Just take, like Gregor Mendel with the peas, right? Yeah. They just take one variety and have it cross something that could happen in nature. It's almost like matchmaking. It's like a totally natural process, just matchmaking yep. rice plants. But it takes about 10 years from when that match is made to when you have a new variety for a consumer. And so you have to be thinking way ahead. It doesn't just happen where you make a new variety and at a single match or cross. You have to work through that cross. Nature produces an incredible amount of diversity. And so you'll get that diversity coming out of a cross. And then you have to look for the traits that you're looking for and then purify them. And that just takes time. But the nursery department has incredible team who have those goals of new varieties, seed purity, and organic research. It's great to have all those things at my department, credible team members working with growers to drying and storing the rice, to developing seed and new varieties. And so that's what I do here at the company, besides working with Brita and sharing our story. Brita? So I work in marketing and publicity. As I mentioned, my professional background is actually in book publishing, where I helped authors tell their stories. You know, I loved that, but I would be sitting at my desk in midtown Manhattan, nine or 10 at night, and I'd get a text from my dad. He'd be 
you sending me videos from the fields, a video of a flock of pelicans in the field one day or a turtle the next. And you just started to think, I'm doing this wrong. I want to be part of that. And so I moved home about three years ago to help tell our story. And I do that in a lot of different ways. But one of them is just by spending time out in the fields with my dad. The best part of the day is calling my dad up at 5, 5.30 or 6 when we're ready to leave the office and saying, hey, can I swing through the fields with you? And so we drive out to the fields and we check on the rice because that is a huge difference, I think, between the way that organic and conventional rice is grown is that we have to be super present in our fields. For instance, this time of year, we're using water to manage weeds instead of flying on chemical herbicides. And so my dad and my brother and all our other farmers have to be out there oftentimes once, twice, maybe three times a day or more to read the rice, my dad calls it. And so I just really like to highlight that process of what we're doing year round, because a lot of folks don't realize that regenerative organic farming requires a year round commitment to taking care of the land and the creatures who live on it. And so I really consider it my honor and privilege to be able to highlight that work, whether it be in videos for social media or blog posts for our website or the copy or infographic on the back of our packaging. So it really, for me, comes down to telling our story. Oh, definitely. Love it. No, a big part about Lundberg Family Farms is your sustainability. What would you say makes Lundberg sustainable? Well, I think it really starts with our roots. A lot of people don't realize that there's a real family and a real farm behind Lundberg Family Farms. But, you know, in 1937, my great-grandparents, Albert and Francis Lundberg, left Nebraska in the wake of the Dust Bowl. And, I mean, <laughs> to put it simply, like, the Dust Bowl really blew. Huh. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, it was an environmental disaster caused in part by short-sighted farming techniques that stripped the land of its topsoil that uppermost layer of soil that produces something like 95% of the world's food. It's pretty important. And during the Dust Bowl, it all blew away from the Midwest. Grandma Francis would regale our family with stories of dust storms that would come rolling across the plains. And as they approached, she would stuff the windows and doors with wet rags to try to keep the dust out. But by the time the wind stopped blowing, everything was covered. And of course, it wreaked havoc on the farm too. So when Albert and Francis moved to California with their four sons, a flatbed Chevy truck, a farm all tractor, and not much else. They decided to do things differently, to work in partnership with nature, or as my great-grandpa Albert put it, to leave the land better than he found it. And so for us, it really starts in the field with that founding principle to leave the land better than we found it. And I think sustainability for us, like Brita said, starts with farming. We treat the soil as a living thing. We know that soil needs to be alive and needs to be cared for. And so my grandpa and my dad and uncles, they would never burn the rice straw, even though it was customary at the end of the season just to light off the straw and burn it off. They said the soil produced this, it needs to go back to the soil and crop rotations, and they have cover crops, including legumes that take nitrogen from the air that is free, that nature gives us, and a legume takes it and puts it into the soil for this following rice crop. I think sustainability also means we care for the wildlife. We're part of the Pacific Flyway. We're California. How much of our wetlands are gone in California, Bree? 95% of California's historic wetlands are gone. But our rice fields work as wetlands mm -hmm. and are host to the millions of birds, ducks, geese, shorebirds that come through and spend the winter here. And so all those things, I think, are part of our sustainability story. We have our own dryer where our rice comes in the wintertime. After harvest, we only have one 
crop a year of rice. After harvest, it all comes into our granary, and we only use natural control. Insects are not treated with chemicals, just controlled either with cool air or through natural means. We produce 20% of our energy on site That's with right. solar. Yep, we have six separate solar arrays that generate about 20% of our total energy needs. As we continue to move closer to 100% on-site generation, we also offset our grid consumption with renewable energy credit. So between the on-site generation and the RECs, we've been crafting organic and sustainable rice products using 100% renewable energy for I think 20 years running now. And then, of course, we also have a pretty comprehensive recycling program. We reduce, reuse about everything on site. And by just about everything, I mean literally 99.7% because we track it. That's everything from packaging to scrap metal to uniforms, which are broken down and used as insulation and vehicles. And this helps us not only maintain our true zero waste certification, but also, and more importantly, helps us keep materials in the proper waste streams and out of the landfill. So it really starts in the fields, but goes a lot further than that. And all ties back to that founding principle to leave the land better than we found it. Yeah, and I love those three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. I love to add the word regenerative, a fourth R. Um, Yes, regenerative. And that's certainly become a very popular topic in the natural and organic CPG. So now I know you're certified organic and you also have a practice of regenerative. How do you see the two terms related? Do you think that organic agriculture has always been regenerative, or is that something which involves a little bit different practices? Well, we believe that regenerative should be linked with organic, but a lot of brands make regenerative claims without being organic. We believe that regenerative is organic, at least the way that we do it, but of course organic exists on a spectrum. And We feel like we've always operated on one end of that spectrum by prioritizing soil health. The law has minimums for organic. The USDA organic standard sets a floor, and you can't claim more than just organic, even if you're doing a lot more than what you need to do to meet that minimum. But some people say that minimum is too low. They believe that the other end of that spectrum has become too inclusive. For instance, they question whether organic should include hydroponics, which are grown without soil. And I think that tension is really, in part, what led to the development of regenerative. But at Lundberg, when we're talking regenerative, we're talking regenerative organic, because we believe that regenerative isn't truly regenerative unless it's also organic. Right. And so I think there's an awful lot of wonderful organic farmers who are practicing regenerative mm-hmm. organic practices. But I think, as Brita said, it's a spectrum mm-hmm. and not all organic is regenerative, but we believe that all regenerative should be organic. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that is a big discussion going on about being regenerative and organic. To me, I think it'd be kind of hard to be regenerative without being organic. Exactly, Erin. That's our thought. Yeah, we don't really see anything regenerative about using chemicals. Exactly. So we use the term regenerative organic Mm -hmm. together. And if you're going to use another term, regenerative, could you say regenerative chemical or regenerative with pesticides? That just seems like an oxymoron, right? How do those go together? 
Yeah, I don't think they go together at all. We agree. And so I know you currently have an organic certification. There are now a number of regenerative certifications. Are you looking into any of those? We are. We actually just introduced our first ever regenerative organic certified product. It's the regenerative organic certified white basmati rice, and we're super excited about it. It's grown right here on our family's farm in Northern California using regenerative organic farming practices that have been passed down and refined over generations. Wonderful. Yeah, we really like the ROC. Mm-hmm. The Regenerative Organic Alliance is the group that developed the standard and maintains the certification. We think they have the support of the consumer and they have the support of our customers. They are well balanced and have long term roots in the organic system. And of course, it all starts with organic as the base yep. and then builds from there. And we think that's the right way to go about getting a regenerative organic certification claim. That's right. They use the USDA organic standard as a baseline, and then they have three pillars that they've built their regenerative organic certification on, which are soil health, animal welfare, and social fairness. And we believe that the development of regenerative organic standards will help hold the industry accountable and build consumer trust. We were early supporters of California certified organic farmers and participated in the development of organic standards dating back to the 1970s. And so we're ready to do the same thing with regenerative organic. Over the past year or so, we've been working closely with the Regenerative Organic Alliance, who introduced regenerative organic certified. And we've been working with them to not only get certified ourselves, but also help develop the regenerative organic standards for California grown rice because we believe that regenerative systems are often context specific and certification should not be treated as one size fits all. Each region and crop will need to implement different standards based on soil type, weather conditions, ecosystem and crop needs. So we're really excited about this process and we believe it's really important. And so our goal is to certify all the organic rice that Lundberg grows by 2027. That's right, Brita our own family farms and the farms that partner with us. Mm -hmm. What you said there about context-specific, rice is grown all over the world. Mm -hmm. And we're thankful that the Regenerative Organic Alliance recognizes that rice grown in California may be grown a little differently than what it might be in Japan or India or Singapore or Malaysia, China, and that all of our practices, if you're practicing true organic farming practices, can be regenerative. And I'm really thankful that they recognize that. One of the things that I think is really cool is we don't have farm animals on right. our farm. Great Grandpa Albert said that the best thing he ever did was leave the animals in Nebraska, right? I think one of the things, yeah, he said he was happy that yeah. he left the animals in Nebraska. But we have the wild animals, the flocks, incredible amount of birds that come here and feed and winter and use our fields for habitat. And ROA says, yeah, you don't have to own them. You can work with the wild. And we recognize that because you're working with the wild, that fits as rotational grazing. And it's great to have that sort of... The birds aren't the only ones who benefit from that. It's actually kind of a cool system that California rice fields provide more than 60% of food resources for waterfowl, but also the waterfowl, their feet put that nutrient-rich rice straw into contact with the soil, which turns it into mulch for the next year's crop. So it's kind of a really cool example of our partnership with nature and I think a great example of regenerative practice. And then that nutrient water that leaves our fields goes back to the streams and rivers where the salmon Mm -hmm. need that, those nutrients in their diet. Mm -hmm. That's right. Our fields get full of zooplankton. Yeah, bugs. 
yeah, bugs, <laughs> water bugs. And so we want to be part of not only the recovery of the waterfowl, which has happened over the last 30 years, but we want to be part of the recovery of the salmon. Yep. Lots of amazing practices that Lundberg has with regenerative agriculture and sustainability. I know another part of your sustainability is the duck rescue program. Tell us a little about that. That's right. Yeah. So in addition to flooding a portion of our fields each winter to provide vital habitat and nutrition for migratory birds as they travel the Pacific Flyway, we also find a lot of ducks nest in our cover crops that we grow during the winter. They're a magnet um, for the local birds. They the are. That mallard population. Yep. Ducks have lost a lot of natural breeding habitat and, and our cover crops provide perfect habitat for them in close proximity to flooded rice fields. So they've got the cover from the predators in the cover crops and then the water to splash around in. And so before we start our tractors to prep the fields for planting in the spring, we partner with organizations like California Waterfowl to comb the fields for duck nests. We drive ATVs on either side of the field and attach a rope between them with some noisemakers like cans on them. And the hens will sit tight on their nests until those noisemakers go almost right over the nest and then the hens will flush out. And so we'll tread super carefully into the fields and rescue the eggs and transfer them to a local house hatchery to be incubated, hatched, raised, and released back into the wild. And we know that these ducklings do rejoin wild populations because they're banded, and we find those bands as far north as Canada and south as well. And so we're really proud of this partnership. We feel like it's the right thing to do. And over the years, we've rescued an estimated 30,000 ducklings. So some people call it quacktivism, but we call it working in partnership with nature. And so in addition to our regenerative organic certified rice, we're super excited to be introducing our ducking good rice campaign. As we say, not all rice saves baby ducks, but ours ducking does. And we developed that campaign as a way to start a conversation with consumers really about what regenerative organic farming practices look like like at Lundberg Family Farms because, you know, I think that consumers are increasingly interested in soil health, but as yet, that's a pretty opaque concept. But everyone can connect with the duckling and that's something that you can see and care about. And it really, I think, represents the heart of what we do here, working in partnership with nature. I wish my grandparents were here to see the campaign. I don't know that they would approve of the foul language, but I think that they would appreciate the heart behind it because really, we're leading with humor, but really it's at the heart of things about how much we care. And if we care this much about ducks, imagine how much we care about our rice. Wow. This all sounds so beautiful and picturesque. I can just see it in my mind, how amazing your farm sounds. And in terms of the different farms you work with, what do you look for in terms of farms to partner with? Well, from earliest times as we started on this road in organic rice farming, we've had farmers, neighbors that wanted to come and say, we want to farm organic as well. We like what you're doing. In order to be an organic rice farmer, you need a relationship with a dryer or a granary and a mill. It's just really hard to take your rice to a farmer's market and have that direct kind of farmer's market relationship. What we're looking for are farmers, uh, first, integrity and respect. Being recognized as a farmer of high integrity in your community, the last thing you want is say, I'm an organic farmer, but nobody trusts you, or say that's a farmer that's got some pretty unusual farming practices. Respect and integrity are first. And then you want to have a farmer who's philosophically committed to organic, that I'm doing it because it's what I believe in. And then you're looking for capability. 
farming's tough and you have to be able to get the crop planted and planted in a timely fashion. You have to be able then to have the equipment that's necessary to get the crop planted. And then in the fall, as the rice is ready to harvest, you want to be able to harvest it when it's at its peak quality. Whether you're harvesting for brown rice or for white rice, you want to be able to harvest it when it's ripe for what we're doing. We grow 17 varieties of rice. Each one has an intended purpose, and you have to be able to harvest it when it's ready. And then it's harvested in the fall. We don't always have early rains or heavy winters in California, but you have to be able to have the equipment to be able to get the rice harvested when it's ready and before the winter sets in. But it all begins with integrity. You have to have an organic integrity that's above reproach. We've touched a lot upon the environmental and agricultural benefits of being organic and regenerative. From the consumer perspective, what would you say are the main advantages of eating organic and regenerative rice? Aaron, I think there's a lot of wins. I don't know, call it a win-win-win proposition when you're buying organic rice, but I think there's environmental wins, both micro and macro. On a micro level, the field, the soil, the living things that are right there where the organic rice is, they win because there aren't chemicals being brought on. You're not killing them or doing things that damage them. You're doing things that feed them and build them. And then on the macro environment, the whole valley benefits from the more organic rice that there is, from the air and the water, the rivers, the birds and fish, all of the environment. I think one of the best things we can do for our region in Northern California is to transition more rice ground to organic. I think the community wins. The people that work on our farms and the communities in our area because they're just not exposed to those chemicals either in the air or that they might be around. But then I think the consumer wins. And when the audience or the listeners are thinking about making those choices, what's in it for them? And at first, I think it's great to support an organic system because I believe it all starts with healthy soil. Healthy soil produces healthy plants. Healthy plants produce healthy food. And healthy food supports healthy people in a healthy environment. And I think our government and a lot of people say you can't tell the difference between organic or conventional. It all has the same nutrition. But I think just like some people say, well, we know more about what's going on on the moon than we do sometimes in the complexity of our soil. I think that same thing about our food. There's a whole lot more going on than you can see. There's the measurable, but there's the immeasurable that I think you just intuitive that when something comes from healthy soil and is nurtured through the growing process, that there's an additional benefit there, even if it can't be measured. What do you think, Brita? Well said. I would also say well said. Soil science is still a relatively new idea, and I think a lot of people don't know about the idea of nutrition farming, bricks farming, just the whole idea that the richer the soil and the healthier the soil the more nutrients you're absorbing in the food. And with conventional agriculture, the nutrients in our food have been depleted. Yeah, I just think sometimes about the balances of our soil. And you look at organic farming and the cover cropping and what goes back into it and the natural plant material. There's just so much going into the soil that feeds the plant. And you look sometimes at conventional and There's not that much going in other than in some conventional fertilizer. And I don't see how you can say those are the same and that the crops they produce, how you could say they're the same. And so I think there's so much benefit in consumers choosing organic. Yes, 
And regenerative organic. Yes, all the more reason to go to full regenerative. Could you see the term regenerative replacing organic, or do you think we'll always have a need to look for both terms in food? I think you'll look at both terms. It starts with organic. That is the foundation, and then regenerative builds on that and takes it to new places. I think where organic is fabulous. It's, we participate in the early days in the 60s, and I believe it's still the foundation of a healthy farm and a healthy food supply. I think regenerative builds on that. Rita, you in line with that? Yeah, I agree that organic is the foundation. And I think that people want to know that these terms have meaning and certification brings that meaning to terms like organic and regenerative when we're talking about regenerative organic certification, of course. But yeah, I think the two really go together and work together. And when organic is strong, regenerative organic is strong. Yep. Without definition, without standards, Mm -hmm. it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. We are are very supportive of defining what regenerative means Mm -hmm. in the context of regenerative organic, having clear and strong standards, and then making it meaningful by having it certified. That's right. Yes. And you had touched upon about how Lundberg was really one of the first farms to be talking about organics. I imagine also one of the first to be talking about regenerative. Yeah, we're the first U.S. grown rice brand to introduce regenerative organic certified rice, which we're really excited about and proud of and excited to help lead the way as we continue to define regenerative organic standards for rice and for specifically California grown rice. We started talking to Regenerative Organic Alliance just over a year and a half ago, and then had our first farm certified in 2022. Mm -hmm. And this year, we're taking over half of our farms through Regenerative Organic Certification, Mm -hmm. and then hope to finish that up uh, a year or so after that. That's right. Yep. So started with our home ranch this past year in Richville and now bringing all of our Slunberg family farms through it. And then after that, going to start certifying our growers farms because as my dad mentioned, work with a network of other like-minded family farmers in the area. Yeah. Some of them have some questions about how regenerative organic certification works. And so our thought is let's have all the family farms go through regenerative organic certification and the farmers that want to go through this year will lead the way and show them that it really is in line with what we're already doing. Mm -hmm. I think there are some additional steps of certification, but I don't think there's anything to be fearful of. No, it's really, I think, a validation of the way we've been farming for decades as we've tried to live up to that founding principle of leaving the land better than we found it by caring for not only the land, but also the creatures who live on it. Yep. And the team members who are part of our farms, that's part of the regenerative organic alliance standards and certification as well. Mm -hmm. And in terms of organic, has that been something that Lundberg Family Farms has pretty much been pushing since the beginning? Yeah, we started talking about organic in the 60s, as my dad mentioned. My grandpa and his brothers were farming together then, and they were approached by a company called Chico-san. They were looking for farmers to grow organic brown rice for them. And I think they asked something like 150 farmers in our region, all of whom said no, because of course the organic movement was still in its early days and nobody really knew what it meant, including, I think, my grandpa and his brothers. But the principles of organic farming seem to align with their dad's advice to leave the land better than they found it. And so they said yes. And they called up the Rodales because of Organic Gardening Magazine. And so it's kind of an interesting connection in that way too, because when we first started farming organic, we sought out 
the Rodales, and now it was the Rodale Institute that introduced Regenerative Organic Alliance and Regenerative Organic Certification. So it's kind of a cool full circle moment. But yeah, so it really started in 1969. My grandpa and his brothers planted their first crop of organic rice. It wasn't a lot. I think it was something like 76 acres, but it was enough to convince them to make a go of it. And we've been talking about organic ever since. Mm -hmm. So I would say not just in terms of being the first organic rice, but really one of the first companies to talk about organic in general, because I know the company Bragg, which is known for its apple cider vinegar, they talked about organic very early on, but can't think of any other CPGs that were talking about organic back in the 60s. It was before there was organic standards, right? Your first organic law was passed in the early 70s in California. So our relationship with Chico-san, we developed a definition we agreed upon with the customer using the Rodale encouragement or ideas. But then, yeah, we were at the meetings when CCOF started. And as organic rules were updated, we've been a participant all along and are really happy to be working with ROA, Regenerative Organic Alliance, in the development and rollout of regenerative organic standards. And we're really thrilled to be able to continue on in the goals that my grandfather and parents started and still be an independent family-owned company, that this is really at the heart and soul of who we are. That's a wonderful thing about the natural and organic CPG space is there are a number of family farms in it. I think of Alexander Family Farm, who's been on this show, and Burroughs Family Mm -hmm. Farms, all in California, Mm -hmm. I also may add. Yeah, that's right. And both of those farms are also regenerative organic certified as well. Yes. Yeah, we love them. We love them. And the farmers who farm for us are wonderful family farms. Mm -hmm. Some of them have farmed with us for 40 years or more. Yeah, for generations. So they really do feel like family at this point. They do. We've talked a lot about the regenerative organic certification. What are some of the other certifications that Lundberg Family Farms has? Yeah, so we've got, as you mentioned, organic. We've got regenerative organic certified. Non-GMO project verification is another good one to look for. We're also on the sustainability side, true zero waste certified at the platinum level, which we're really proud of. And then we've also got Energy Star certification as well. On the nutrition side or ingredient side, we've also got a lot of products that are certified gluten-free and kosher as well. What am I missing? Whole grain at different levels. Some of our products are up to 100% whole grain. Yep. That's a lot of them, Brie. How about that one certified delicious, certified (laughs) delight? (laughs) I think that's a dad certification. (laughs) Yeah, but they're all certified that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is a very important one as well. And as they are certified delicious, let's get now into the different types of products that you offer. Sure. So yeah, as my dad mentioned, we offer 17 different varieties of rice, jasmine, basmati, arboreo, sushi rice, short grain brown rice, you name it, we've Sweet got rice, it. Black Sweet rice, rice, yeah. rice wild well rice. We've got our wild blend. That's a family favorite. Then we've also got rice cakes. We started making rice cakes, I think, in the 80s, right? Grandpa came home with a... <laughs> Might have been the end of the 70s. Yeah. Exactly. He came um, home with a rice cake machine, and I think his brothers called him crazy. And we said, we'll give this a go. And here we are making rice cakes to this day. We make our classic sort of thick and round rice cakes. Then we've also got rice cake minis, which are kind of a smaller, more snackable option. And then we've got thin stack which are 
thinner, lighter, crispier, square-shaped rice cakes. And then we also tried covering those in chocolate. So we've got our chocolate thin stackers and 90-second rice that you can pop in the microwave and have ready in less than a couple minutes for busy days or lazy days. And then rice in a box. We've got a 20-minute risotto that's practically foolproof. I love it. And then rice pilafs that are like rice and seasoning mixes, like a cilantro lime rice, which is great, especially with tacos or something like that. And then we've got a brown rice syrup as well. I think that's everything. Chips. Chips. Ah, how could I forget chips? We've got rice chips as well. (laughs) Yep. I love those rice chips. Yep. We have had hot cereal before and cold cereal and soups. And I would say innovation is a part of our company and a part of our focus and commitment. And I think I look forward to new items, but yep, the current list, you've covered it really well from packaged rice to entrees, to cakes, to chips, to sweeteners, and that ready to heat, the rice that is just ready in 90 seconds is so convenient and so nutritious. It's something that we look forward to expanding into. Yeah, I like a good pun. And so I like to say we rice to any occasion. <laughs> oh, rice. Rice to is great. <laughs> it's a little cringe, but I like it. But the area of innovation that I think we're really focused on for this year is the regenerative organic certification mm-hmm. into all of those items. Yep. Now, that sounds great. In addition to the regenerative organic certification, are there completely new products, new areas of things that you can do with the rice that you're looking into? Well, I think rice is so versatile. Mm-hmm. We're looking to expand the ready-to-heat offering that has, I think, some of the most convenience. And I think we're looking into expanding all the offerings, um, some new rice-in-a-box options, mm-hmm. some new rice chips okay. option. If you love a fiery hot chip, yeah. look for a fiery hot rice chip from us. I do love fiery hot. I have a pretty high tolerance for spice. I know that there are some foods that people consider spicy and I don't even consider that spicy. So I'm certainly up for the challenge of this fiery hot rice chip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to send some your way. Oh, yeah. We're still working on it, but yeah, coming soon, really close. Oh, good. Yeah, I can't wait to try those. And (laughs) I like that you're going into the heat and serve because that is a space that I've long felt is underrepresented in natural CPG. And mm-hmm. I kind of get why, because I know a lot of people invested in natural CPG like to make things from scratch, but there are some people that just don't have the time. And I could see actually investing more in natural products if there were more natural heat and serve items like you're doing. I think it is part of the future, right? Uh, is that our lives are busy. We want to have natural, wholesome foods grown the way that reflect our values. Mm-hmm. And as we look for more convenience, we look for regenerative organic in this area. And we want to be there. I've seen it as a growing area. I know I've seen more companies introduce it, certainly earlier this year at Expo West. I saw a few more companies introducing it because I know there's a temp for it, oh, maybe say five or six years ago and kind of didn't catch on then, but I think now for various reasons, people are more concerned about health and about sustainable agriculture. So I think this type of works. It also helps when you have it done by an established company such as yours, where people are familiar with your name. So when you go into it, I think that's certainly a way to introduce heat and serve is because you have many things to offer. 
Yeah, and I think we love rice. <laughs> and so we're not going to produce ready to heat rice that doesn't reflect our emphasis on quality and sustainability. We just won't compromise on that. Yeah, and we hope that if you like our rice cakes, you'll try our heat and serve. Mm -hmm. If you like our packaged rice, you'll try our rice chips. We hope people make those connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope so too. And you talked a lot about the heat and serve, but also for people that are doing more of the longer process, are there certain tips you have for people as far as the way to cook rice right? Well, there's all sorts of ways to cook rice. We really like the Vita Clay rice cooker. Mm -hmm. It works every time. And it's a clay pot instead of a metal pot. And we really like that Vita clay. But there's so many ways to cook. We cook on the stove a lot. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other pots or Instapot type things. Mm -hmm. But the only way we generally don't think maybe packaged rice doesn't work as well as in a microwave. Of course, the heat and serve is often in a microwave, but we really like the rice cooker. Yeah, rice cooker all day long. And that Vita clay. I don't know if you've seen the Vita clay before, but it's a really nice medium to cook rice in clay. Oh, yeah. Clay is wonderful to cook in. It's grown in clay. <laughs> yeah. Cook it in clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep it in there. Yeah. Nature. I don't know if you know that we grow it in heavy clay adobe soil. <laughs> so. You've talked a lot about the amazing practices of Lundberg Family Farms. And since this is a podcast, obviously people can't see it. I know there are things people can look at online, but I would say the best way really to learn more about it are the farm tours that you do. Tell us a little about those. Well, Aaron, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Our town of Richvale is about 200 people. Including cats and dogs. Yeah, okay, good. exactly. I think the best way to know about where your food comes from is to visit the farm. Mm -hmm. But we don't have people coming in every day for farm tours. So I would encourage you to, if you're interested, call ahead and we'll line up a farm tour for you. Yep, we'll get you into hip waiters and out in the fields. We'll get you into hip waiters out in the field. Right here at our headquarters, we have our administrative team. We have our rice mill. We have our rice cake factory. We have all the shipping. Mm -hmm. Our rice dryer is across the railroad tracks from our headquarters. We have our organic fields close in. But we also, if you want to take a ride, you can get in my truck and we'll go out and look at the fields I take care of. They're about 10 minutes from our headquarters. Of course, I know them best. But we don't have a regular tour. to say each tour is a special order. But don't be afraid to call ahead and say, I'd like to have a tour. And, and here's what you say. Hey, I'd like to have a tour of Brita. <laughs> and rice. <laughs> and my brother Anders, too. We're the three who give tours. It's, honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of the gig. Well, we're just about out of time. But before we go, are there any last things you'd like to say about Lundberg Family Farms? Well, it's just a privilege to be on with you today, Aaron, and to be on with Brita. It's one of the delights of being in a family is to work with our extended family, but to be able to work with my daughter is amazing. <laughs> it is a family farm, a family business, being together. And the only way it continues to work is for consumers to recognize that and support that. And so we feel the partnership with consumers is key. It's really at the foundation of how we started and how we continue and what sustains us as we move into a more and more regenerative organic. And so thank you for all your listeners, for the consumers and your audience who care. That's really what sustains us.
just second that we do this because we love it and because it's our family legacy and love working together and working towards building on great grandpa Albert's promise to leave the land better than we found it. And that really can only happen because of our relationship with consumers. And we're just so grateful for the support and grateful for the opportunity to share our story with you, Aaron. So thank you so much for having us on today. Yeah, I love it because I really like to see more farms do tours. I think that's important that not just knowing where your food comes from, but seeing where your food comes from. That's right. Yeah. A lot of people want to know where their food comes from. We want to show them. Absolutely. Yes. So before we go, tell the listeners where they can learn more about Lundberg Family Farms online. Sure. Well, you can find us at lundberg.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, where we're sharing recipe inspiration. Are we all those? We are. Yeah, I know. Crazy. And also videos from the farm. A lot of videos that I'm just out there taking on my iPhone of my dad so you can really see what we're up to. Great. Well, thank you for coming on the program. It's been Wonderful learning all about the amazing practices of Lundberg Family Farms. Thank you so much, Aaron. We appreciate the opportunity. Sure do. Thank you. That's all for this episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. New episodes of the show are released every Wednesday. Follow me on social media for more information on the next episode. And to make sure you never miss any of my podcasts, go subscribe to The Appropriate Omnivore on your favorite podcast site or app. You can also listen to all of my podcasts on my website, appropriateomnivore.com. There you can find recipes from the guests I interview, plus all of my articles covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Until next time, my pantry is officially closed. <laughs>